Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! Hello, and welcome to another episode of Claws to the Wall. I'm your host, Justin Brown, alongside my co-hosts, Thomas Terry, Orlando Smart, and Kyle Owen. We got a lot to cover here today, as multiple Bobcat sports had a successful weekend, but let's start with Texas State men's basketball. This team is 13-16 and 16 overall, 6-10 and 10 in Sunbelt play, and they just got a big 78-75 win over the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina Saturday night. Guys, this team only has two more games left, and you know they're currently... Not a place where we'd expect them to be. How did this win away really help for them in these next two home games they have, guys? What are they going to have to do to try and get a position in this tournament and actually do it? Well, something the Bobcats have been doing really well is they've been taking care of the teams that are on their level. Like we've said it earlier on um, Bobcat Radio that the teams that are around their same record as them, around um, just the same caliber of team as them this season, they've been handling them very well which is like the coastal carolina chanticleers and which would be like the south alabama um coming up so that's a team that they can try to build that momentum off of because teams that they haven't been doing well as is those top teams in the in the conference like southern miss is which is the last game of the season and if they can win that last game after winning this if they can they could end the season on a three-game win streak going into the tournament and like we've been saying pretty much all season just because it hasn't been that ideal of a season that all it takes is getting to that tournament with some momentum built up with because once you get to the tournament it's everyone's record is zero zero so if that a three-game win streak going into that can be very big for the Bobcats going forward yeah we've been talking about it over the last few weeks uh what can they do to turn it around and the thing that we've been preaching is for the other guys to step up and that's exactly what happened against Coastal Carolina. You look at the stat box score, and Mason Harrell, he led the way with 22 points. But then you look at other guys like Jordan Mason with 12 points. You had Nigel Caesar with 15 points. You know, we had Morgan with 13 points. We had other guys stepping into the plate and kind of contribu- contributing more, helping out with the scoring load there. You know, you mentioned Tyrell Morgan. He had uh, he had five rebounds in that game as well. He's been really stepping up, trying to trying to fill that gap with uh, whenever you know Nigel Caesar's not on the court, as well as uh, you know some of the other guys just just you know spreading the ball around. And and you know Mason Harrell, he was out for most of the beginning of the season, so I think he's just trying to to get back into form. He only came back, I think it was two weeks ago now. So it's it's, it's we're at the point where Mason Harrell's just you know he's he's getting right back into the swing of things, and and I think uh, he's really trying to start taking control of this team and and uh what a, what a perfect time to do it tournament play and, and 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 getting getting these last three wins like you said if you can go into the conference tournament uh with a three-game winning streak get your seating up a little bit get there uh, above that like bottom tier kind of get in the middle of the pack you know don't have as many you know tough games to begin with and don't have to play you know the one two seat three seeds to start the tournament I think it's it's a really good path for the, for the Bobcats to to get going in the tournament and and maybe I mean even win the thing I mean it, I it's it's a it's a stretch for sure um but with everybody kind of back and healthy missed 14 guys at some point or another in this year and uh it, it's it's good to see that this team is healthy again and and starting to put a competitive team onto the court so uh, glad to see that and, and hopefully this carries over into, into conference play oh yeah like you were saying what a time to get healthy this is the perfect time for all of our guys to come back healthy and ready to ball out this perfect playoff time you know let's go out there and put on the show and you know we talk about mason Har- harrell and how he's stepping up and beginning to lead this team i mean the game was very close it was a 76 75 lead with only 1.8 seconds left mason you know we have we have mason harrell here grabs a rebound, gets fouled, and he scores two clutch free throws to put them ahead by three and winning this game here. That is your floor leader right there. That's someone that's making clutch free throws in the time it matters. And Thomas, I'm glad you bring it up, the fact that we need these players to step up. Jordan Mason, a rookie on this team, providing 12 points. That's something great for Coach TJ. We talk about, you know, this team had a very rocky regular season. They're 11th right now in Sunbelt play, but 
you know, Joey Gonzalez, I don't know if you've heard what he says. He says, this might be the opposite of what we're expecting. Years prior, they win the regular season, but they go into the tournament, lose first round. It could be the opposite here. They know how to win it away, so we're going to see if they can do it. But their next game will be today against the South Alabama Jaguars, and that will be in Strand Arena. This team is 15-14 and 14 overall. The last time these teams faced each other was January 7th this year, just a month ago, and the Bobcats came up 64-58. What are you guys thinking about this matchup? Well, I'm glad you talked about free throws from because looking at that last game, they were 11 from 11 in the second half as a team. So if the game gets close like it was, because that was only a three-point win for the Bobcats, it's, it feels good to know that they, they'd be able to step up and hit those free throws late in the game like that because they've had a lot of close games in the past. And the difference in this win is the clutch free throws they were made. They've struggled from the free throw lines and in, in some of the losses they've had. So if they can continue that that strong shooting from the free throw line and then also continue to dominate in the paint. They got they had thirty points in the paint last night or not last night in the last game. So just that's what brings those free throws. Banging down low, not de- um, depending on the three point ball so much, but just playing physical basketball and so that's that's really what they can look forward to in this next game yeah that's a key to the game as well Orlando you know taking high percentage shots this team shot over 53 percent from the field this last game against Coastal Carolina if you can come out and do that against Southern Alabama it is yeah Yeah, they're they're going to be well in place to win this game yeah you mentioned it too South Alabama being one of the teams in the middle of the pack they're eight and eight uh, Sunbelt Conference play, Orlando, and you you said that, I mean, the Bobcats have been able to step up and, and, and get those teams, uh, take, take give those teams a loss uh, there. I mean, just kind of being able to, to take this game and just, like, not looking at the records. Obviously, South Alabama has a winning record, but they're only two games ahead of, uh, like, in the overall record as well as in Sunbelt Conference play. It's a pretty even matchup in my opinion, and like y'all mentioned as well, I mean, getting those contested shots in the paint, I mean, just and enforcing those those free throws. We know we know Coach TJ has has been harping on those free throws. It's I mean, it's one of the things that the Bobcats have kind of really made their identity along with their defense, which interestingly enough, you know, last game over seventy points by both teams, but for the Bobcats to be able to put up 78 points and uh, with their defense not performing the way it usually does, it's good to show that uh, they can put up almost 80 points even if another team is putting up nearly the same. So it's good to see that. And so I think that uh, with with kind of maybe a, a statement with the defense against South Alabama tonight, uh, it would be it, it's it's looking good for the Bobcats. It is looking good for the Bobcats, and we can expect for them to push the ball in the paint. You know, a little factoid here, if y'all didn't know, Texas State is last place out of all D1 collegiate men's basketball teams in three-pointers made and attempted. They don't care about the three-point ball. They're pushing it in the paint, and we could expect to see them do that tonight. That game will be on air at 6.30 p.m. That's when pregame coverage will begin with Clint Shields. That will be on KTSW 89.9 at a 7 p.m. tip-off time in Strand Arena. Another women, another basketball team we got to talk about is the Texas State women's basketball team, who is having the opposite of a season as the men's, as they are 19-8 overall, 11-5 in conference play, and they just came off a 20-point win over the South, South Alabama Jaguars Saturday night. That was senior night in Strand Arena. Speaking of seniors, one big senior for this team, Kennedy Taylor. She became the Sunbelt Conference all-time career assist leader with 735 assists so far. Guys, it's just been an amazing thing to see. She is the first Bobcat ever to have 1,300 points and 500 career assists. This was a massive game, a 20-point blowout game. And, you know, they're going to be facing their next opponent, which is Louisiana. That's a road team. But, guys, this team only has two more games left. What are your thoughts on this team's potential for this tournament? And they have five seniors on this team. I'm talking Ja'Kayla Bowie, Denasia Hood, Lauren Thompson. I mean, yeah, Lauren Thompson. We have Taylor Pruitt on the team as well and Kennedy Taylor. So it's just going to be a really different team next year. Does this team have what it takes to go far in the tournament? I, I think so. I think that, I mean, this team, you know, they've proved it this year. The Sunbelt Conference is, I mean, it is a very, very competitive conference. You look at from top to bottom, uh, from James Madison at the one spot to Louisiana at the, I believe, the seven spot. There's only like, it's a two-game two, two game difference. Right there in the middle, Texas State, Southern Miss, Old Dominion with one game behind first place. Two games to win the conference. All you have to do is win the two. One of those, I want to say... 
uh, is against yeah the one. final two games are Louisiana and Arkansas State so okay so so Louisiana the, the one game behind Texas State right now getting that one from Louisiana I mean would be absolutely crucial uh, you know just kind of dropping them down moving up your seating solidifying yourself in that second place in that second place spot and if James Madison and Troy lo- drops a game then there you go Texas State right there uh, either tied with second with one of the ex first place teams or up there in first place with those two. So, I mean, it, it just taking care of business. These these girls have been doing it all season long. You know, they've struggled these past three years, and it's it's really nice to see them as seniors getting through and, and just kind of breaking that ceiling and, uh, and and getting the results that they've been finally waiting for. Coach Z knows what she's doing, and I think this uh, this team is going to be able to, con- to carry their m- momentum into tournament play and um, with good seeding it'll be great top four seeds get a bye they get a rest they get a rest day as everybody else gets to play and uh, I think it'll I think it'll go good and they got a good shot even if they don't win the tournament they make the NIT and uh, should be good competitiveness there in the postseason yeah congratulations to once again the point goddess Kennedy Taylor I mean there's already been so much that has been said but to her in her favor throughout this season with her playmaking ability and her ability to be a floor general. You know, her going out this last game against South Alabama, dropping 13 and 11 assists. I believe the uh, player that she passed from Western Kentucky was Clement Hashkins, all-time for the Sun Belt assist record. And I believe that was 731 assists. It was 731 assists set back in the 80s, so major shout-out to her. But, yeah, this these last two games, these are playoff tune-ups and everything, whether that is in a – in the big tournament or in the NIT tournament, you know, these two games, they're important to build continuity and kind of get their, I guess, mojo going, trying to get into the playoffs and hopefully trying to light it up from three there. They shot 48% last, or not last night, but last game, they shot 48%. So what a time to be catching on fire from three. Yeah, this is definitely a time to, that they can build that momentum going into the tournament. But, and I'm sure. Kennedy herself will tell you that's like their as a team that's definitely their main focus that's her main focus is getting a real deep um tournament push but I I mean I I know we've we've already said it both of you guys have already talked about it but just the magnet I just want to really just highlight the magnitude of what she's done as that that was a 36 year record that was just held and with two games left in the um in this season who knows how far she could push that record that could be a record that held that's held for the next 40 years if she can push like that's it's a serious record that she just broke and I, I mean even right now she's still she's the current leader in all of active um ncaa women's division one basketball players and in, in assists and she's up by uh, almost 50 60 assists of the next closest person so she's just the that type of leadership and just fl- just being a floor general as a senior that type of leadership is insane they they can really build off of that it's it's shown it's how, why Denasia Hood is it's a, not why but it's a big part in why Denasia Hood is being able to be so successful why why the team is being able to be so successful because you just need that type of floor general to get the team involved especially because you know your your shot might not always be falling but She's that much of a score. She's a, a scorer as well. So she's she's just doing it all, and she's doing a great job in leading that team this year. Yeah, and you you know we talk about Kennedy Taylor being that assist leader, and you mentioned how she has scoring ability. Kennedy Taylor is the leading three point field goal percentage player in the Sun Belt Conference right now. She also is second place with minutes played. She averages thirty five point one minutes a game. That's just enough for her to take a water break. <laughs> so I mean, this women's basketball team has a lot right now. They're currently tied for third place with Southern Miss and Old Dominion, but. They're only one game behind James, Madison, and Troy, so the first place and second place could be a possibility for this team. Right now they're going to play the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That's today at 5. So the women's basketball team, only two final games left in their season, and they got a lot to prove, and we look forward to talking about them in the postseason because we know they will be there. But we're going to take a transition to not collegiate basketball but high school basketball as one team is extremely hot this team is ranked in the state and that's the san marcus rattlers the boys basketball team 35 and 3 overall 9 and 1 in district just won their first round playoff game against clark 50 to 48 this last year you flashback last year they lost the first round 
by a couple free throws. Here, they win it in a really impressive way. We see Malik Presley here. Malik Presley scores 13 points of his own. Caden Gums leads all players with 20, and Matthias, Mateus Perkins with 10. Guys, what are your thoughts on this Rattler team? They have a lot more playoffs left. They're going to play Westlake next Friday. Guys, your thoughts and opinion. I mean, it just shows the res the resiliency of this team. They were – it wasn't a, a, a just a game that they dominated like they're really used to, but that's why I, re I really think that loss to New Braunfels right at the end of the season was huge for them because they were definitely used to dominating teams all season, but then this shows that they they can fight back and not just fold after just not – being able to like lead throughout the game, they were losing not they were losing throughout it, and then we were able to fight back and take the lead deep into the game. And then after that, it was it was just a matter of holding the lead and playing poise as the seniors do. And so they were able to do that. And then this next game coming up is going to be a challenge because anyone who's from Central Texas just knows how good Westlake is when it comes to all sports. They're football, baseball basketball they're always top ranked teams and I think right now San Marcos is ranked like 12th in the state of Texas and Westlake is like eighth so this is going to be a San Marcos is actually going into it as the underdog they they have their records are very similar they this is going to be this is probably going to be one of their toughest matchups in a very long time yeah I was I had the great honor of producing that game last night and let me just tell you it was absolutely breathtaking that game you know you listen to it San Marcos only scored seven points in that first quarter. Can you guess how many they scored in that fourth quarter? 20. 20-point <laughs> 20 fourth quarter, holding holding Clark to only 10 in the fourth quarter. I mean, we could hear Paxton Graf's emotions, high emotions on the oh, call yeah. that night, last night. It was absolutely electric. You know, you had guys like Caden Gums drop 20 points and seven, to seven rebounds, four assists, just an all-around game that night, you know. These guys here, they're going to have the work cut out for them with Westlake. But like I said about the women's team and the men's team, this is the perfect time to catch fire. And you talked about the, the loss to New Braunfels, Orlando. I mean, think about that. It, getting that loss out of the way now rather than during the tournament, perfect timing. Absolutely perfect timing. And this San Marcos offense, absolutely explosive. They're averaging 69.5 points per game, whereas most teams in college basketball are right around the 50 mark. Westlake has 58.1 average per game, but I mean, that's still less or more than 10 points underneath San Marcos. So you just kind of look at that and, and um, talk about the dominance of this offense. You said 20 points in the first, fourth quarter there. That's more than their average of 17 per, in, the, in the fourth, but, uh, but I mean, just being able to finish strong and and get it out of the way and and Westlake like y'all mentioned too very similar records only Westlake only has four losses and uh, I think only one of them in district play one or two uh, yeah two in district play and so that means I mean hey just like San Marcos I mean had a just had a great district uh, great time in district and uh, they weren't able to to get the district championship game from uh, I forgot who won that district because uh, Lake Travis didn't win it, Westlake didn't win it. Hmm. No, I think Westlake did win it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm tripping about that one. But I, I thought they were the runner-up. But anyways, uh, in that one, Westlake. I mean, either way, we all know they're they're a great school, ranked number eight in the state, and it's going to be a, def a definite challenge. I just think that the uh, San Marcos offense is is just so much more powerful than than most of the teams in the state right now. You look at other teams who are scoring, you know, like I said, right around 50 points per game, maybe even less, maybe even a little more, but but nobody's scoring 70 points like San Marcos is. And, and that offense is absolutely electric with three D1 athletes who are going to be able to get there, including Caden Gums, coming to Texas State next season and uh, going to be just a great run here in the playoffs. And, and I can only imagine uh, how electric this game against Westlake is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be electric, and we, you know, we talk about the personnel that's going to make it electric, and that's Caden Gums right here. He shot four for eight from the three-point line, had 20 points in this last game. This is a Texas State commit, I mean commit. So it's you know really exciting to see players like that perform well. We talk about Westlake. Westlake is 31 and four overall, 14 and two in district, currently on an eight-game win streak. So the Bobcats do not have just an easy matchup ahead of them. They are going to be playing against a team that they have seen years prior, and a team 
that has beat them years prior. So it's going to be very interesting to see what will happen. That game will be on February 24th. That's this Friday at 7 p.m. You'll be able to hear Paxton Graff and Jordan Solace on air in that one. It should be an exciting one in Austin. Now, we're going to take a transition, not from, you know, we're not talking about basketball anymore. We're talking baseball. And because baseball just started at the Bobcat ballpark, and it started in historic fashion. The Bobcats win their opening series against Northwestern in a record-breaking sweep as the Bobcats scored 56 runs, the most runs ever scored in a series. Did you say 56? 56 runs. Absolutely. 56 runs, the most runs ever scored in a series by the Bobcats. Slam Marcus is back, everybody. Slam Marcus is back. We look at game one, Bobcats win 12-4. Game two, they win 20-5. Game three, they win 24-9. That game three saw eight home runs scored out of the total 13 over the series, and we saw freshman Chase Mora at his first three collegiate at-bats hit home runs in this one. Guys, there's so much to take away from this one, but Kyle, I know you were there for us, and you had an amazing article that's on the blog about it. What were your thoughts on this series? I know you got to call one of those games as well. Yeah, I mean, the offense is absolutely electric. I mean, you looked at game one, you know, 12 to four. How do you how do you beat 12 runs? Then you look at game two, 20 runs. How do you beat 20? <laughs> you go to 24, eight yeah. home runs in that game. Like you mentioned, that is a school record for game for home runs in a game beaten uh, the 2021 record against Houston, which interestingly enough, uh, was another record against Houston where our first series sweep since 2010. You mentioned to me before this and after the game, prove me wrong before this <laughs> before this article because I thought last season's uh, matchup against Ohio State was the first one. Forgot about Utah Valley and a 3-1 series there. Uh, did drop one of those games. But, um, I mean, you think about that and you look at last season's team as well who, you know, came off of a, a very, very poor 2021 team. Uh, and and just I mean absolutely came back in, in dominating fashion in 2022, and uh, and and set a nation record in the difference between wins and losses from one season to another in plus 24 wins over one season to another season, and I, I don't see how you can go up have a plus record after only losing 12 games last year, but if things are are trending the way they are, and you're scoring 56 runs in a series. I mean, I don't see uh, – now I can't see how you don't go plus from last year. Uh, but it's a very tough schedule. We'll have a lot of tough games coming up. I mean, even this weekend, Oral Roberts, um, 4-0 team already, going to be gonna be a tough matchup. And, uh, and But like you said, I mean, just absolutely historic fashion. Ch- Chase Mora, yeah, I don't know – I don't know how you do it. Uh, I – Everybody that I've talked to, everybody that's that's seen it, something they've never seen before. You said it's never been done in the MLB. I know it's a different game, but but three home runs, three at bats, and the third home run being a grand slam literally took one pitch. It was a high end fastball, and he just I mean, he looked at it and said, Wow, this is my pitch. He told me this. He said, This is the one I want. And he took it, grand slam took it up from twenty to twenty to twenty four runs in that game. And uh, you know, you look at off you look at the other side of it with northwestern and scoring four then five then nine most of those runs if not all of them came off the back end of the bullpen five runs scored in the ninth inning there uh in the third game when they scored the nine runs all those runs came off of like three different pitchers it's just coach trout's trying to figure out where his bullpen's at didn't see a lot of those standout guys and uh, only saw tristan dixon for i think maybe an inning maybe even less uh the guy who's named as one of the stopper of the year candidates so we'll see how that goes um but as long as coach trout can figure out uh what what pieces to play in what games i mean there's so many bats uh, like everybody who played was uh, just absolutely lights out i mean there was so many guys that came in and were able to hit balls calling their name being able to get out there and just absolutely just swing it for the fences and just do an amazing job to start things off if uh coach trout said it best if they can continue this, then they will be the best hitting team ever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, would love to see it if you can here in Slam Marcus. Yeah, yeah. I, co- uh, I covered the team like a lot last uh, season for the University Star. And so I knew that with the, a lot of – they had a couple players get drafted. It was going to be a challenge for the returning players to match what they did last year or not even match because they, they, they had higher aspirations. They wanted to exceed what they did last season. And so I knew – Jose Gonzalez, who was the conference um, player of the week, and then Levi Wells, pitcher of the week. I knew Dalen Pena that some of these players were going to come in and 
just replicate or even exceed what they did last season. But like Chase Moore, that just completely blindsided me as a. I mean, I because who could expect that as a freshman coming in? That's just kind of unheard of. Like you said, it's never even been done in the MLB. Just three for three, all home runs. The last one being a grand slam. That that really that just that this series really just set the tone for the season. Like you said, if Coach Trout can get that chemistry right, get the get his lineups in order to where we can continue to where the Bobcats can continue that success. That's just a sneak peek of what they can do for the rest of the season. They have some some very high matchups from some high talented matchups coming up. Uh, they play they but they played some of these teams last year. They beat the number one team at Texas in UT at in Austin last season. So that's this team can they can just I knew they could kind of replicate that but the way that they've done they can show they could go way farther than they did last season yeah and I know Justin I know we were kind of playing around earlier talking about what they were on pace to score how many home runs it's like 240 (laughs) 256 I think is the exact number yeah statistician here yeah Yeah, (laughs) that that's an unreal number obviously it's still early in the season like you were pointing out and uh Coach Trout is still trying to find, you know, what works with his pitching staff and everything. But like we said, it's still early on. But this is an amazing way to start the year. You know, when you have football scores, these these are football scores, yeah. guys. Come on now. But when you also talking about it, Orlando, you're talking about how you lose talent to the MLB draft or guys graduating, but you're able to reload, whether it's through the portal or, in this case, Chase Moore, a freshman. When you have guys that come out and stand out like this, it makes you think, what are they really capable of doing this year? Yeah, it, it really does make you think. And, you know, with that thinking process about Chase Mora, well, there's a no trophy that comes aw- with it, you know, because, you know, after that performance, Chase, Mo- Chase Mora just won the Dick Hauser National Hitter of the Week Award. Um, and he is the first Bobcat ever to achieve this award, and that's probably because he was 3-for-3, three three, scoring eight runs in his 3-for-3 three three bat appearances, one grand slam in the top, bottom of the eighth, and a home run in the bottom of the seventh, right back-to-back back one another. Um, but, yes, yeah, just an amazing performance, and he was also named Collegiate Baseball's national player, of one of the national players of the week. So just an amazing performance from Chase Moore. Yeah, before we move on, y'all, y'all talk about Chase Mora, but, I mean, you look at all the other newcomers in this. Uh, shortstop replacing Dalton Sheffield. How can you replace him? Well, Davis Powell came out and hit 556 oh, yeah. this weekend. Absolutely amazing. He, I mean, pretty much everything he swung on was a double. I mean, look at that. It, 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 you can't replicate what you did last year in, in uh, for Dalton Sheffield, but if you can have somebody that can put up the numbers that he put up, uh, it's it's going to help. And then you look down, I mean, you talked about Dalen Pena. He was a freshman last year, coming back in at first baseman. He's doing great this year already at 462 average. And then uh, also, you know, you look down at the bottom of the lineup. I know it's the bottom of the lineup, but has been an absolute wall out there at second base. Ryder Hernandez, best kept secret in all of college baseball, as Coach Trout called him. He was a quarterback at a, at Cedar Park the past yeah. couple of years. I think he won a state championship over a there as well. For a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and he got a home run in one of those games as well. And so, I mean, uh, Ryder Hernandez at second base coming in there. And then you look over Ryan Leary, his first play of the game uh, in the series – was basically a Sports Center top ten play. I mean, he made a diving play, just I mean, laser out in between, right around shortstop. Came over from third base, diving play, got right back up, and then his first at bat in the second inning blasted a home, <laughs> run. A home run. So man. I mean, it, it just it, like you look at all these guys and and you hear all these new names. Uh, even right field, um, taking taking out John Westrich, the the home run leader from last year with thirteen home runs. Uh, now you've got Cameron Wheel. He started the game in the first night, and then Cade Manning came in and played game two and game three. Cade Manning, he was until I think his second at bat in the third game was perfect at the plate. He hadn't either been walked or got a hit. He had only gotten hits and walks so far, and then he finally had one out, but all weekend long, only one time being put out. I mean, absolutely amazing there by Cade Manning. So all these guys, all these new pieces, it's just Where's Coach Trout going to give all these all these pieces time to play? And uh, just absolutely amazing so far. Yep, this team and these pieces they scored in every uh, they scored in all eight innings at bat in this last game, and they're looking to do that again this upcoming weekend as they're facing off against four and zero Oral Roberts, who will be you know playing here in Slam Marcus San Marcus on this upcoming weekend. And the game Saturday will be on air on KTSW 89.9, where Kyle Owen and David Castaneda will be on the call at 2.30 p.m. 
But we're going to transition to softball as the Texas State softball team hosted an I-35 tournament. And in this I-35 tournament, we see them go three and five here over the weekend. We saw a good Friday win for the softball team as they went against Lamar and they won against them six uh, nine and zero. Oh. Game ended with a run rule in the fifth inning, and we saw them play against teams like South Dakota State and the New Mexico State Aggies, where they unfortunately lost zero to four. But guys, what are your thoughts on the softball team so far? We've seen great returns from Sierra Trahan. You know, she's one of those freshmen. I actually she was a freshman last year, someone I went to high school with. Now, you know, she was named Sun Sun Belt preseason player. Uh, of the conference so you know really exciting performance from her she's done great so far Sarah Vanderford she's done great as well um, so guys what are your thoughts on the softball team and not you know three and five in a tournament I don't know if that's the best performance but that's still pretty good and they're just starting off six and four in their season uh, one thing I, I can say about these girls is they've shown that they have a, a real aptitude to bounce back after a loss so they lost their first game to Wichita State two to three and then came back against Kent State and dominated them 8-0 and then 5-1. And then in this most recent series, they started off with, I mean, they started off with a dominating win against Lamar 9-0. But then they, in the series against South Dakota State, lost 0-2. But then again, came out, dominated them 3-1 and then 9-1 to regain and take over the series. So with this loss to New Mexico State, they lost 0-4. I think they'll definitely be looking to, Looking especially with UTSA, every Texas State school has is out for blood when it comes to UTSA, or at least they should be. So I feel like there's a lot there with that added boost. I think they they'll definitely be ready to bounce back in this game. Yeah, it's still early, you know, but starting out the year six and four, these are some girls that can hit the ball. You know, uh, we talk about Sierra Trahan, like you were talking about. She is an absolute monster when it comes to smashing that ball. You know, we have other players too as well. Like Sarah Vanderford, she is a very talented player. Cameron Bass, this this whole entire roster is talented top to bottom. So I'm not going to let this one loss kind of stain it. It's still early, like we said. But looking back, you know, against games against North Dakota, North Dakota State and Lamar, you can see the potential that this team has, and I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, these girls have been – you know they're, they're they're coming off of a kind of a lackluster season last year. Um, had a lot of losses earlier in the season, kind of like kind of like they're having right now. Uh, but when you play back to back to back tournaments, it's it gets kind of jumbled and mumbled in there. You play a lot of games in a weekend. Sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way. Um, and right now, you know we all know the name Jessica Mullins. She's been you know just she's struggled so far to start the season. She got a two point four four two ARA, the worst on the team right now, yeah. and. And, uh, but she we do know six hits, three runs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, but we do know that she has the potential to be the best pitcher on the team. So seeing, you know, Carson Pierce, who I think last season was her first season going a 1.29 ERA right now. I mean, just setting the pace for this Bobcat team so far, it just kind of maybe puts that competition into Jessica Mullen's mind and, and, and just, you know, just get it, getting her back out there in the circle and uh, letting her pitch and do her thing. She'll get back into the swing of things. And I think as soon as she does, and as soon as Tori McCann uh, can kind of hold it down a little bit, she's right above two, uh, a two ERA right now. As soon as these pitchers kind of settle down a little bit and get used to the circle and, and kind of the new rules, there's a, you know, the, the time clock rules now that in, in college uh, baseball and softball, they've only got 10 seconds to pitch the ball. And so, or 10 seconds to step up into the box, 20 seconds to pitch the ball. And it, it, it's kind of throwing off some of these players a little bit. So we'll see how that uh, throughout the season they can adjust to the new rules and and uh, and get back in into the swing of things. So and it, you mentioned it as well, Orlando, bouncing back from losses. Uh, the, we saw the first loss you mentioned it against Wichita State, a two-one loss to start the season. Yes, they came back and beat Kent State in that next game, but later that weekend they came back against Wichita State, who they did take that first loss against and beat them seven to four, and just showing that that they can bounce back against not only other teams but the same team and then same this past weekend against North Dakota State losing that game and just offense just couldn't get going 0-2 loss in that one and then coming back and beating them back to back 3-1 to the first game and then 9-1 to in the third game and so uh, it just shows that that just every once in a while the ball isn't going to bounce your way but if if it does bounce Texas State way they know how to score those runs. So doing a great job so far this season. And, and I'm sure you got it coming up, the Tech State Classic, third third tournament in a row. 
UTSA the first game, UTA an old uh, old conference foe, uh, just moved out of the Sun Belt Conference this past year, and then you got some big names in Kansas and Colorado State coming in too. Yeah, Kyle, and to your point about the pitchers settling down, like I definitely that's a great point because we we all know what Jessica Mullins can do. She showed that all season last year. And a quick shout out to Tori McCann because, uh, like you, Justin, I went to high school with her, so we're alumni of Cedar Ridge High School, and she's shown what she can do this even earlier this season. She was the pitcher in that Lamar game, and so she pitched a shutout that in that um, game. So if they can just, like you say, get settled down and get back to what they and just keep stay, keep that consistency going, they can they can definitely go farther and get back to what they know. No, they can, and you know they're going to have a chance to prove it against some really awesome rivals, UTSA, UTA. This will be this weekend in the Texas State Classic, and you're wondering, well, what games will I be able to hear on KTSW 89? Well, I got that for you. Don't worry, you can catch the UTSA game on Thursday at 2 p.m., and that game will have Colton Gibson on the call. The 4.30 game against UTA will have Colton Gibson as well. Friday, we will have that 4 p.m. game with Colton Gibson and John Carlo Cacho. And then on Saturday, we will have coverage, my apologies, on Saturday at 6.30, we will have coverage with Kyle Owen and Joey Gonzalez. And then Sunday, we'll have Jacob Aromi and Kobe Jackson on the call. So this Texas Day Classic will be a KTSW Classic by the end of the week, how, how much coverage we're putting on for this game. So, you know, definitely take a chance to listen to our own Kyle Owen on the call. Appreciate you. Of course. But, guys, we're going to zoom out of the local area, zoom out of San Marcos. We're going to talk some national sports, guys. And if you were under a cave, or I mean under a rock or in a cave, <laughs> you wouldn't know what happened last weekend. And it was the NBA All-Star weekend. And it was actually womp, womp. kind of the most unwatched NBA All-Star game weekend ever. And I want to hear why that was, guys. What performance to y'all really was lackluster? What was one thing you saw and you were like, really? Well, it's been trending that way for years, and the it's because the the biggest thing of the is the thing that was like really it's the game <laughs> itself. The All Star Game is people are literally saying it's the worst basketball they've ever seen because it's a glorified layup line at this point. They're literally just out there dunking. None of the it's. I mean, it's kind of cool to see, but not really if you because it, there's times where even as early as the early 2010s the all-star game was competitive they wanted to win they wanted to be it was the best of the best going against each other so they were while they were high scoring games there was still defense being played those were there was were buckets that were being earned and they're just not really doing that anymore and i feel like they they really got to do something to revamp that the all-star game itself because the three-point contest is still competitive the skills challenge i like they're at least they're trying new things they're attempting to try to revamp that and get just not the same kind of things in there it was a it was kind of interesting this year i don't know if i was a fan but it was the first time they tried it so i mean next year they can come something different if that didn't work so and i'll let someone else talk about the slam dunk contest because it's 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 not <laughs> it's it, I don't know. I'll let someone else Jericho that Sims. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it, it, what it used to be for sure. I mean, like, I, I was looking at some of the highlights. I didn't watch the game uh, or the dunk cost contest, but I was watching it and I was like, I was like, man, this was the winning dunk. This would have been like first round like a couple years ago. I mean, it's just like, I don't know, man. I, 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 and it also stood out to me some of the pictures of like, uh, it's the one picture of LeBron kind of just standing under the basket. I think it was John ja Morant that like dunked over him. He was just kind of he literally just stood there and put his hands up yeah. and uh, and and just let him let him do whatever he wants. I mean, it's just at that point it, it it doesn't even look like basketball anymore. Like you said, glorified layup line. Yeah, it it pains me because basketball is something that I grew up watching. You know, in the early two thousands, like you said, when it was hyper competitive, when you had Kobe and even LeBron back then going head-to-head against Tim Duncan, Dirk yeah, T-Mac. Yeah, Kevin Garnett. You know, these guys, <laughs> there, are, there are no words for this right now. And I like that analogy you said, Justin. If you were under a cave, well, you might as well should have been under a cave this past weekend because you, you didn't miss anything with this All-Star Weekend event. I remember um, Jericho Sims with his all three of his dunk attempts they look the same. <laughs> they literally said, oh, another arm in the rim. <laughs> yeah, and you, you look at the player reactions, you know, on the sideline, oh. and they're just there like, 
Oh yeah, I saw that clip. It was like the most uh, like un- mundane, mundane. It boring. Like, it looked yeah, like a golf. It looked like a golf reaction. They were yeah. just kind of like most <laughs> watching. Like, uh, yeah, I'm sure Tiger Woods could have made him do a little bit more w- than what they did. But even then, he pulled himself up on his on dunk attempts yeah. on the net. So why are we bringing in guys that can't? I mean, he has the vertical. It, I'm he's not. I'm not saying he he's, he's a bouncy guy, Jericho Sims. But enough. it takes more than verticality to put on the show for the dunk contest. But hats off to Mac McClung. Oh, I absolutely, mean, he did I, amazing. Yeah, he he single handedly saved the dunk contest for what it was worth. And at that's, least. Yeah. that's why I didn't, you couldn't really call it terrible, only because he was so amazing and he like he took everybody. And then it was only by surprise if you're not just that familiar with like who mixtapes and stuff like because he was crazy coming out of college he was crazy in georgetown at his year at georgetown and at texas tech he's definitely a, even he spent a little bit of time with the lakers early on in his career so he's, he's a def- hooper yeah he's i mean he a dunker for sure like so <laughs> i he I, he was robbed of a complete perfect score in my opinion 49.7 that one person i think it was this what was her name? I Lisa can't remember. Lisa Lisa, Lisa, it was Lisa Leslie. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lisa Leslie? Yeah. Or I don't oh, know I thought which it was Lisa. Saltis. I don't know. But it, it, I think she gave a 47. And I, I was like, what? Yeah, she was like Come the on. only one. I was, it Would was you like Jericho's more? Oh, <laughs> man, that was cringy. The, if anyone doesn't know, I mean, he taped a envelope on the, the net that had uh, the number 50 on it. And he pulled it down and tried to open it up thinking he was all cool. He tore the number 50. And not a single person really thought it was cool. Um, If you put your arm in the rim twice, I better expect you the third time to put your dang leg (laughs) in the rim. Yeah. Um, So, you know, not really the performance. I mean, look, I would say it's way better than last year's. Okay. Because last year... I don't even know who won. It, it's Trey it was, Murphy the third. It was Obi Obi oh. Topin last year, but see, like it's getting worse. And I, in my opinion, it's because we're getting guys like, like most people, the average basketball fan hasn't heard of Mac McClung, Trey Murphy the third, Jericho Sims, or Kenya Martin Jr. It's because those are the only people that are willing to risk getting injured because it, they don't want high energy and, players getting injured. No, I don't think it's about injuries because like it's not like I can't think of anyone who's ever been injured in a dunk contest. I think I don't know what. I don't know what's uh, stopping these the best players in the league or like the high flyers because even John Morant came out. A reporter asked him straight up, like, what would it take to get him in the dunk contest? And he and said, he was, I'm not. And he said he's not doing it. A and billion likes. I don't know what that's about. And <laughs> a billion retweets. Stephen A. Smith came out, and he kind of put all the blame on LeBron. And I'm uh, so – okay, <laughs> here's my thing. Okay, <laughs> that's just Stephen A., bro. It sounds crazy, but and I hate agreeing with Stephen A. Smith because I'm – and I'm a, a self-proclaimed LeBron stan, but I kind of agree with him because LeBron, if you think about it, has been the first, like – best player in the league, like best like top player mm-hmm. to just not do it. If you look back in the Kobe's done it. Yeah. Freaking Vince Carter, Jordan, T Mac, literally like r- r- all the high flyers that were like the best players in the league participated. And then for some reason LeBron just never did. And since then, like when it was his kind of turn, that's when like the top players kind of stopped doing it. It's so you not, think it's kind of like he set the model Yeah, it's not. Yeah, like, it's not like his fault. Cool like it was this, his. Like, it was his responsibility to keep it going. But I think once he stopped, like once he didn't throw his name in or he never participated, I think yeah. that was kind of that kind of set the tone. And they were like, oh well, we don't really have to do it. So yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you bring up LeBron because you know, you know, you are a LeBron fan, and obviously we think of six and zero, oh and you can't think of. LeBron with that, but he had an opportunity to be six and zero in this All Star game. But what happened? He lost. He absolutely. What lost. are you serious? Well, the thing is, he he got hurt. He didn't <laughs> play in the second half, so can't really put it on him. Hurt and with quotation marks. Hurt with quotation yeah, marks. Hey, I mean, it's an All Star game. You're not gonna. But risk what did y'all think about the crazy. drafting? You know, before the oh, game, I love that. Yeah, That's I think cool. that was a good. I, it's so yeah. cool. Hockey's been doing it for a while. I think it's one of the better uh, better formats. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Too. It's funny to see all their reactions, like <laughs> like Jokic running up to make sure he's not picked last and stuff like that. It's right, kind of funny. Yeah. And we didn't even really talk about the three point contest. And no, that we're kinda, gonna talk. We can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, like that ended the same way the actual All Star game did. Like they had. That's how LeBron lost because of Damian Lillard. They were kind of. They had a oh, chance. They man. were coming back His on Team Giannis, shots, yeah. literally. And then the Team Giannis throwing up threes, chucking them up, chucking them up, and then ball goes to Damian. And I was like, oh well, he's not gonna miss. Now I have to. I have to remind you all on BCR before the All Star break. Everybody that was hosting with me said that Buddy Hield was going to win this thing. That is I was the, the lone person. Thomas Terry, I was the <laughs> lone person to pick Damian Lillard to win it all. That is And the guess truth. what happened? 
he won. And you even said it on the podcast. No, Dame. it was you said it on the podcast. It was Dame, and you're right. Hey. And the crazy thing about it is he made it Dame time because it's like Dame Dame time is something so something so specific. It's when he's he's back against the wall. He needs to make these shots. It, it got to the point where he had like five or six threes left on his rack to beat Buddy Hill, and he had to make all of them. So of course he made all of them. And so it's just like Dame time is something special, man. And we've oh, it's kind of like we've never seen anything like it. It's just he gets into that mode and he's gonna hit that clutch shot. Vision. Yeah. You know who I really like seeing in that that tournament was Tyrese Halliburton. You know, oh, I yeah. like him. You know, I think he's a great young star, really good young talent. Just shows what the Pacers really have right now. People mm. are unaware. Um, but yeah, no, I I thought this three point contest was fun, but it's Dame's game, man. You oh, know, yeah. you see him on that list. You know, if Curry was on that list, it'd be really interesting. But Curry, you know, he's dealing with what he's dealing with right now. So, but um, you know, now if you want to speak more on this game or the All Star game, we can, or we can talk about some breaking news that just came out in NBA. Your choice uh, right I, now. The the, the All Star game, we already talked about it enough. Yeah, uh, we I said think it, so. It doesn't it, need to be talked. We said about it was more. done talking and, about. Yeah. It. I, I was tired of coverage that night. Personally, <laughs> I'm not a basketball fan, yeah, but that's just it's me. over. <laughs> yeah, no, twenty percent less viewers this year than any other year for the NBA All Star game. Record so, low. You know, but I'm gonna tell you right now, if I had a choice between the NBA All Star game and watching players that are six foot eight, two hundred fifty pounds play flag football, I would rather watch. The NBA All Star Game, so that's just what I have to say. I about didn't that. watch either, so yeah, yeah a lot of and the fact that people pay money to go to those Pro Bowl games is, 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 is mind boggling to me. I don't know how like the other kind of sports are doing in their All Star games, but yeah, NFL and NBA they're definitely lacking yeah. right now. You know, many people consider like, what if we just drop the All Star games into like a mid season tournament to determine something? I mean, that could be cooler. Who knows? Yeah, you or, like determine draft picks. Like, if, wouldn't that be awesome? If, if yeah. only the, if they take it serious, that's the only yeah. way. So it's like, so who but knows? one thing we have to mention now you know it's the final thing we got to mention russell westbrook he's going to the clippers now la right now is kind of an exciting city of basketball you have the leading scorer of all time lebron james for the lakers now you have russell westbrook his former teammate on the clippers are the clippers ready like do they have what they need now i mean i feel like this is what they've been looking for they have russell westbrook they have patrick Bever- i'm not pat why does it have reggie jackson they have you know paul george Kawhi leonard. leonard is actually playing he's not sitting on the bench well maybe he changed his mind today i don't know um changes his mind every day about that but guys what are your thoughts on this clippers team and do they have a chance in the west well i i watch i'm a lebron fan so i'm gonna wa- i watch oh, yeah. a lot of lakers basketball and <laughs> I like Russell Westbrook, the player, a lot and the person a lot. But as it pains me to say, it's like if we're just going to be real, if he's going to continue to play the way he played with the Lakers, then absolutely not. If he's going to continue to miss layups, shoot the ball at the back of the top of the backboard, <laughs> the turnovers, the just the just the all around just inconsistent play, it's just then no, they're not. He's not. Uh, he's not the same guy who was out there leading a team averaging a triple double and even if he was that never really even led to leading basket to the led to winning basketball so it's just like i don't know if i don't know how anyone can consider who could look at a russell westbrook addition to a team in any in history of his career and say oh well now this team has a chance to win because it's never happened. Well, I'm not gonna go that far. I, I take come on, Russ on OKC. Look, I was a huge Russell Westbrook fan alongside being a LeBron James fan, like you. And I can admit, from a basketball perspective, from a team's perspe- perspective, he did not mesh well with that team. You know, LeBron, he is used to playing with uh, spot up shooters, and that is not what Russell Westbrook is. Uh, Russell Westbrook, like I said before, first battle Hall of Famer, Absolutely. and people. A lot of people don't know it. I don't know why it's overshadowed so much, but his triple-doubles historically have led to wins. When he records a triple-double, I believe, 168 times, that leads to a 74.8 win percentage for him all time throughout his career. So, I mean, I... Unless you're talking about in the playoffs, then yes, it has not translated yeah, I, to playoffs. I was kind of just like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, going on, and he added oh, yeah. in. They hasn't won a championship for a championship. reason. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He. Not in the playoffs, but in the regular season for this Clippers team, the Clippers have a lot more spacing than the Lakers do. Nevertheless, that th- I definitely think it would be now, a now. Would fit. you consider this a superstar trio? We have Paul George, no. Kawhi Leonard, and no. Russ Westbrook. Is uh, that not? Considered? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I. I don't know if I'd put it as. A, I mean, it is their big three. Whether or not it is a big three is a different story. Yeah. I feel like uh, the kind of what I was going to mention was just you know this. This really just kind of 
shifts over the top heaviness of the West. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it already, you know, you looked at the Suns, the Suns, they moved their stock up as soon as they got KD. And then now you have the Clippers who are already pretty much, I mean, up there in the top half of the West. Now they have a, a playmaker, somebody you know that can he can move the ball. I mean, whether or not he's making shots recently is kind of a different story. But, I mean, Russell Westbrook, he's a name. He's a household name. Everybody knows who he is, and he's going to have an impact on the floor no matter what. So I do think that I do think that it is uh, – it does kind of – it does make them a little bit better. I don't know if it necessarily pushes them over the edge to, to win a championship this year, um, but it does really help out uh, with that team and, and – and, and making them a better competitiveness against, you know, teams like uh, teams like Portland or teams like, you know, the Kings who, who only have, you know, one or two guys uh, and then the Suns as well who, who, you know, are absolutely stacked right now. Yeah. You know, what I will say is that in every NBA star's career, there comes a point in their life when they realize, hey, I, I'm not going to be that guy offensively, but I can help you all out with the stuff that I have learned and the defense I can play. And I'll tell you right now, Russell Westbrook will play defense. Oh, yeah. uh, you Absolutely. know, compared to some other players on the Lakers, he'll play some defense. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think right now this is a point in his career where he realizes, hey, I'm just going to average, you know, 13 points a game, and that can just be fine. If that's what I can do or 15 points a game, you know, I'm not going to care about that. And I know they're not trusting me to make a mid-range jumper right now. Yeah. But he can really be explosive on the fast break, and I expect him to do that for the Clippers team. Yeah, I definitely wanted to, like, like make it clear. I don't want – he's def- he's one of my favorite players for of all time for sure. And so I don't want to make it seem like I hate him and I just want to just completely crap on his, like – ability as of right now it's just like you said Justin it's just kind of where he is in his career he just has to kind of take a step back and it there were times where he kind of was still trying to go 110 miles an hour still just going too fast and I think that's just he need once he he's taken a step back for sure and kind of changed his game and tweaked it a little like he even accepted to come off the bench a couple times this year so he's definitely he once he finds that niche, so it, and like you said, I, like I said, I think it's a definitely better fit with the Clippers than the Lakers. So that might be all he needs to get back to what he can do to where it it could win, lead to winning basketball. Take so, that C three CP three route. Yeah, definitely. If he can just like facilitate or just be a true point guard to where he's not just like attacking at all to where it's like a a, a pass first instead of a driving kick mentality. Then yeah, I mean, who knows where he could go. Yeah, I'm going to save everything I have for, for next week. <laughs> I'm going to save everything else for next week. Yep, you know, we don't have any games going on in the NBA right now, so we don't know how he will do, but yeah. we will definitely tell you about it next week. But for Thomas Terry, Kyle Owen, and Orlando Smart, this was Justin Brown, and we thank you for listening to this episode of Claws to the Wall. Stay up to date with everything KTSW, Texas State, and San Marcos at KTSW Sports on Instagram and Twitter, and we hope you all catch this next episode next week. All right, have a good one.